Hello and welcome to this edition of the DMZ America podcast. It is Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. If you can believe it, this is episode 82. I'm Scott Stantis. I'll be coming to you from the right. And I'm Ted Rall, and I'll be coming to you from the left. And I vote for Ted to remain as co-host. All those in favor? Aye. <laughs> oh, wait. Clovis, your cat. I He's dissent. God, that bastard. And he has veto power. Oh, bye-bye. Nice it was nice knowing you. <laughs> bye-bye. Goodbye, DMZ. The next podcast. I'm Scott Stannis coming to you from the right. <laughs> and I'm Clovis. Uh, <laughs> and I own your ass. <laughs> Uh, he is meowing it's funny i don't know if you can hear him oh i can hear him um yeah he has definite opinions on just about everything um so okay as of today as of we're recording this now at uh 10 o'clock central time that'd be 11 o'clock eastern time we still don't have a speaker of the house uh the vote goes on and on and on after three votes yesterday um kevin mccarthy is of cal democrat i mean republican of california is still not the speaker um he seems to be getting he he well he's getting further away from yeah he lost the lo- third vote he lost he lost even more votes my suspicion is he will not be the speaker because I mean think about this Ted I mean let's assume for a moment that he somehow gets I don't know ten Democrats or whatever to vote for him and he becomes a speaker right mm-hmm. um his power and his leadership I mean what leadership he's not a leader you know I mean he he could not lead his caucus to vote for him. Well, I mean, a majority of them. I mean, I think at that point, the leadership would have to be demonstrated by his, uh, you know, by his actions. So, I mean, I think it's possible to come into power in a weakened state and still, um, you know, turn things around. But you're right, Scott, it's it's a challenge and it's unlikely. It doesn't usually work out that way. This eviscerates him, you know, at the risk of sounding my age, it emasculates him. I mean, he can't, he can't, he can't serve as a leader. I mean, you just can't after something like this. I mean, you, I mean, okay, technically you can, but if he's going to make all these concessions to the Trumpites, I mean, the, but the think about thing- someone like, but think about someone, I'm thinking of an example of someone who came in, in a weakened state, George W. Bush, I mean, you know, he 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 lost the uh, electoral, he would have lost the electoral vote. The truth, I mean, he certainly lost the popular vote. The truth, arguably, uh, many Democrats, me included, did not recognize his legitimacy as president. Um, most people thought the camp, the, that the race was very fucked up. At the, no matter how you cut it, even if you ignore the Florida recount crisis, he came in in a weakened state and didn't seem to have really a very well-defined agenda until 9-11. And then 9-11 happened and he uh, was able to demonstrate, um, you know, leadership that was called for at the time, not 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 in my opinion, but in the opinion of 91% of Americans who supported him after, uh, the, after the attacks. And he rode that uh, into not one, but two wars. One, a war was completely, I mean, he literally just force of personality no justification whatsoever. And still, I mean, so he became a powerful leader, um, even though he entered I, I office s- very weak. He did something very smart. And I suspect that's what the Republicans will do when they finally settle on a speaker is that they will uh, announce a mandate. And that's what he did. When he got into office, he announced a mandate. I mean, the Republicans announced a mandate. Republicans and actually, always do that. Well, it's smart. I mean, why not? You know, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's bullshit, but it's politics. Of course. Yeah, bullshit yeah. is the currency of politics. 
And you were dealing with a country that has a collective uh, IQ and or attention span of a five-year-old on a sugar rush. So they can go, yeah, he president, he must be the, de- de- yeah. Um, so, so yeah, he declared a mandate. I mean, so McCarthy, but could they passed do and don't forget they pushed through a tax cut. So he did have what kind of leader he's going to be. I mean, if he's, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to be speaker, right? I mean, there's the, there's the, uh, Tip O'Neill way. There's the Nancy Pelosi way. There's the Newt Gingrich way. Those are all different. Um, you know, Newt, yeah. Newt Gingrich was an ideologue and his leadership stemmed from being a firebrand. Um, yes. Nan- Nancy Pelosi was mafia. Like, don't fuck with me or I'll hurt you. Um, Tip O'Neill was kind of a, a certainly not an ideologue at all, but he was a glad hander and, uh, and a deal cutter. So it's, it, you know, McCarthy can choose from those and there's other models as well. Right. But he, the one he's going to go with, and this is, I mean, this is hubris. I mean, if you want to show your children out there, uh, those of you who listen to this podcast and have children, this is the, this is the example. If you wanted, if you want to illustrate the word hubris, this is the perfect example. Kevin McCarthy stands for nothing. I mean, he, he, he ran as a, a moderate. He rose through the through the ranks as a moderate. And then when things looked like they were going more right, they were going more Trumpy, he became more right and more Trumpy. And the more Trumpy it became, the Trumpier he got. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw the photograph when President Biden um, called the uh, the leadership after the election. And it was it was the minority and majority leaders of the House and Senate. And it was him and uh, Vice President Harris. And the look on McCarthy's face, he's trying to look like Trump, you know, that that kind of dour seven-year-old, pissed off seven-year-old look, you know, the bottom look, I don't want to be here, this sucks. Um, that's the kind of leadership in going into this. Uh, that's the kind of leadership he was offering. Ted, I mean, one's part of the story that no one's there's little parts that are just hilarious to me as historically and just, you know, uh, just the personalities involved here. Um, McCarthy's already moved into the speaker's office. Did you know this? No. He and his people during the recess moved in. But he wasn't. <laughs> no, he wasn't. What? He was not. And so he's in there. Uh, they will literally have to move the boxes back out. Uh, should he not become speaker of the of, of the of the well, house? I guess I guess it makes sense that they would want to. He, they, it was an assumption that that is pretty. That, yeah, that's hubris. That's hubris. Um, yeah. All right. So yeah. the question is now, like, okay. So first of all, it's just a little historical context. Um, there hasn't been this kind of situation has not occurred since 1923, uh, when there were at there were nine roll call votes, and then ultimately, I believe. The speakership was uh, finally determined by a resolution passed by the House allowing a uh, vote by plurality. So they could do that. Um, mm, and mm. so there's a, there is a way out here. I mean, it's not like I guess the question is, do you if you do that, you're kind of acknowledging that you couldn't get it the normal way. Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, like you said, Scott, there's the whole emasculation, you know, impotence, blah, blah, blah. Any number of Viagra themed uh, <laughs> you know, political metaphors. Um, he, I don't know that. Um, yeah. I mean, so if he has to determine whether he has whether he wants to do it, he he's really in a no win situation. I would say if I were him, I would, you know, I'd, I'd go for the plurality vote and, and figure it out later. You know, it's better. Yeah, than again, from when it. the plurality pretty close. I mean, he's he's so close he can taste it, but he's not close enough. Right. I, I, I wasn't unaware of that rule change. But, yeah, you could do something like that. And again, you come in like a Republican. You say, hey, we, hey, here's my mandate. 
and you you win this. I got a um, lot of votes. But people are also asking. And, oh, actually, and like, Hakeem Jeffries got more votes than he did. I know. Isn't that hilarious? It's really funny. So think about this for a moment. Why? I mean, people are asking, why are the, you know, why? Oh, that's Trump- why they can't. No, that's why they can't do the fucking plurality thing. Hakeem <laughs> Jeffries, Hakeem oh, Jeffries would be <laughs> the speaker. That's right. So, yeah, um, you're, you're right. I mean, there are I, a lot of small moving probably parts. probably can't be that he can't be the speaker. No, he really McCarthy's got us. He's he, he but the, but the question is okay. The big question is if not him, whom? I mean, there's no other Republican who even has as many votes as he does. No, but they could. I mean, you know how these things can shift very, very quickly. Uh, the two questions before we go forward, I just want to say why you know people are asking why are the why are the Trumpy Republicans so pissed off at McCarthy? Well, think about it. I would be too, and I never. I'm going to say more nice things about Trumpy congressman than I have ever have in my entire life. Uh, but uh, firstly, they're holding out for some things that I don't disagree with, cut in spending and also term limits. They want to vote on term limits. And I totally agree with them. Is this term uh, limits for the House for House members yes, in yes. general? Yeah. Okay. Which I, uh, well, okay, they're, so. they're popular. I mean, they're, there's bipartisan support for term limits. I'm, I'm ten- very pro term limits. But here's the here's here's the thing that no one is talking about. Why is McCarthy unpopular with these people? Because McCarthy r- runs the purse strings for the congressional Republican congressional you know campaign office, right? He gave money, lots and lots of money, to moderate candidates, not Trumpies. Right. And they're looking at this guy going, he is not our friend. And so, frankly, and if you know that piece of information, you go, that's one of those collective. When you, oh. you know, like when you were seven years old and you walked on your parents and like 10 years later, you you think about it again, you go, oh, oh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, is, that's what's going on here. And that's why it's not going to change. Um, no, but they know gonna, they have an enemy in Kevin McCarthy. I mean, but they, we don't know where this is, but there's just, I think it's impossible to know exactly where this is going. I mean, I think there was once in the 19th century uh, a speakership vote that went to over 100 roll call votes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I could like, see that happening here. I mean, I mean, it's like Frank- this is the Pakistani parliament here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a way, you know, uh, okay, I'm going to be like contrarian here for some in my life, but like, do you think um, first first time ever? First time ever. I'm just to try it on for size. I mean, you know, I mean, Americans tend to value. Um, you know, like predictability and doing things sort of like in an easy way. You don't vote in the Congress unless you have all the votes previously counted and you know the outcome. I mean, in a way, isn't this sort of drama more indicative of a vibrant democracy and a vibrant parliament where there's actual debates with actual, where the outcome's not, I mean, in a way, doesn't it make the political situation, politics more interesting and therefore- more engaging. Don't don't misunderstand me. I think this is great. Uh, I love this. You and I both love this. I'm not crazy about fl- you know flamethrower. I'm not crazy about the people who are driving this. Obviously, they are the the Trumpies, and the, which you know I find reprehensible in my narrow worldview. Um, but by turn, you're absolutely right. This is democracy, man. This is how it works. Democracy is messy. That's the one thing we well, forget usually, in this country. I mean, but it's not in the U.S. Usually, democracy is really like predictable and like you know the 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 defense authorization bill passes every single year 56 years in a row um you know everything is it's actually really 
you know, rubber stamp, uh, you know, all the investigations are, there's no surprises. I mean, democracy, they say is messy. It's not messy enough, really. Well, I know you think so. I, I tend to my two parties, my conservative. No, I want more parties. You and I have talked about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, folks, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm distracted because Ted and I do this by via Zoom and he nicked himself shaving. <laughs> And he pulled off the uh, the tissue, and there's blood all over his face now. I mean, it's just like on the left. Is it the, really? Holy shit! All well, right, just a little, just a little sheer, right. you know. All right, all right, yeah. Well, I'm, so right. we, we better you keep talking. You we, keep better, talking. No, we better tie this I'm up and go just get some toilet paper. <laughs> okay, or not? Run. Okay. No, I like the blood. No, no, you, we, we said it was messy. We, Ted. we said democracy's messy. And it's bloody, <laughs> and it's smeared all over. I'm our bleeding faces. for my politics here. <laughs> so keep talking until you can't talk anymore, Ted. <laughs> all right, all right. Oh my God. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's weird when I when I cut myself shaving, it bleeds and bleeds and bleeds like forever and just doesn't do you, stop. It's really. Do you do you bruise easily? I mean, do you? Not really. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Okay, um, I'm just you know, down at the BDSM club. I'm like, um, <laughs> <not> even... <laughs> Whipmaster Ted. <laughs> um, yeah, but I guess yeah, I guess we're kind of like at the natural conclusion of the <laughs> yes, segment, talking, perhaps. I'm talking know, about, about Ted hemorrhaging. Yeah, I think we have. I, I where, where this goes from here, my prediction, here's my prediction, Ted, within three days, Speaker Jim Jordan. Okay. All right. It, you heard it here first on the DMZ America podcast. All right. So coming up next, uh, who should and should not run for president of the United States? I think you may know who we're talking about. We'll be back right after this. This is the DMZ America podcast. I'm Scott Stantis coming to you from the right. Ted Rawl coming to you from the left and bleeding. <laughs> He's going to go patch himself up and we'll be back as soon as he does. Bye. And we're back to the DMZ America Justin is coming to you from the right. And I'm Ted Rawl, coming to you from the left. It is, of course, Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. Um, so now we have a sitting president who was duly elected, actually won the election. Don't want to hear from you. Are you, sure about, are you sure about I that? I am absolutely positive. I really, really am. <laughs> Very positive that he For won the For the record election. here, I just, I've always thought that like Democrats did not do a good job when they go after election deniers, they're not really, they don't, as usual, they don't know how to communicate well. So it is true that there are irregularities in every presidential election because there are tens of millions of people voting. And those votes are counted by hundreds of thousands of administrative organizations using a myriad of voting systems. So there are irregularities always in every election. And, um, but the fact, the question always is, do those irregularities add up to enough to make a difference in the outcome? And um, the, in this particular case, there is no evidence that that's the case. Um, so is it theoretically possible for an election to um, have enough irregularities or even fraud to cause a change in the outcome? Sure. But that there, but it wasn't, if there was any evidence, if that had happened in this case, if that happened in this case or in any other case, there's no evidence. And I think that's what Democrats should say. Like, if you have something to show, we would love to look at it. But instead, they're not saying that. They're saying, you know, like, 
anyone who thinks that an American election can be stolen is a crazy, psychotic asshole. No, of course and it can be stolen. True. I think last week you pointed out uh, 1876 as a glaring yeah. example of how something can be stolen. But let me ask you, Ted, because, I mean, you're, you re- represent the left here. Why do Democrats have such a hard time with this? Let me finish this question with uh, the 2004 uh, election where uh, uh, Kerry, uh, uh, Senator Kerry, uh, was, you know, his the swift boat swift boat veterans for truth. I mean, John Kerry had two purple hearts from Vietnam. I believe he had a bronze star as well. Um, I think he, um, I thought he had a silver star, a silver star, silver star. Okay. Which is like a really big deal. And so when the swift boat guys start doing the commercials and it was some shady, you know, pack who, who posted them, why didn't he come out? Clearly it was, you know, okayed by the Bush uh, campaign. Why didn't he come out? I mean, it's the same thing. Why did he come out and just like pissed off as hell? And I would have used this language, by the way. I would have said, listen, I went, I got two purple hearts. I got, I got injured. I got, you know, uh, I volunteered. This, he volunteered. I volunteered for this fight. I did not have to go. I, I could have gotten different. I didn't even believe in the war and I volunteered. I went, they, here's the short version. I went, they didn't fuck them to hell. You know, and I would have just said, and I would have been like yeah, furious. Bush and Cheney, like eight deferments between the two of them, right? Yeah, I would have been furious and just, and then walked away from, you know, drop mic and walked away from the, st- and he w- it would have killed the issue right away. Instead, the Democrats, very similar to the uh, election deniers today, are gentle or patient or I can't, I don't even know what the emotion is. Stupid is the only thing I can come up with, which is, you know, no, you guys are. Well, wait, how are the Democrats today? I'm, I'm not seeing the connection with the election denial. They're denies. not doing the forceful uh, pushback on this. They're doing some, and it seems like this almost like, you know, with your white wine in one hand and you're, you know, going, oh, <laughs> this is preposterous. No one will possibly believe this except those rubes down in, I don't know, those states. Well, you must there. not watch a lot of MSNBC, man. They're, or they're like, or, or I mean, they're, is, they, they are like very pretty ferocious about like, you know, the, the foul election deniers who are basically traitors. And if you are election denier, you're, you know, pure evil. I, I think they are coming off strong, but I, I, I don't think there's, I don't think this is the same thing, but I, but I do, mm, but okay. I do have some insight on this because I worked for the 1988 Dukakis campaign against George H.W. Bush. And I remember at the time the word went out into the campaign uh, that uh, the, 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 the governor did not want to dignify Lee Atwater's attacks, um, you know, against him uh, with a, you know, he wanted to sort of just campaign on the issues, but he didn't want to respond to attacks. He he didn't want to get into the gutter with the Republicans. And obviously we see how well that worked out for Dukakis. Um, uh, Now the thing is James Carville, who obviously managed Bill Clinton's 1992 campaign had a very different approach. He, he created a war room, a rapid response team. Anytime right, Republicans right. went after Bill Clinton, whether it was for reasons uh, real or imagined, uh, they, they, his philosophy was hit back hard. We see how that worked out for Bill Clinton. So um, the, the general feel in the Democratic Party has been generally that one should uh, fight back. But weirdly, that got forgotten by 2004. Well, I think it sort of happened with Al Gore decided to concede the election, which he ought not, in my opinion, to, should he should not have done. Um, uh, but I think the Supreme Court ruling was an abomination. And 
um, anyway, but the point is that out, he set that tone. So after Gore was kind of a puss and eager to concede to the point where even on election night, uh, famously Donna Brazil uh, saw that Al Gore was, and she told me this personally, Donna Brazil walked into the hotel suite where Gore was watching the returns. And shortly after 9 p.m., he's like, oh, okay. And he and he gets on the phone and, and Donna Brazil goes, uh, who's he on the phone with? Say, like, oh, he's calling to concede to Governor Bush. And uh, she's like, what? And she went and hung up the phone on him. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And that's what she realized that Gore didn't have any fire in his belly at all. Well, um, the fact that he did he didn't run again in 04. Is, is that's true. Te- too. Tested, a testament to that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, obviously being married to Tipper Gore might do that to a man. But after. Well, uh, no, come on. She I mean, but he did the. He's more he man did, than I'll ever be. But 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 no, he, he did do the uh, he did do the pol- political thing that when she was as soon as she was diagnosed with breast cancer, he left her for a prettier girl. So there's that. Well, but go on. Um, also, probably one with, you know, who, who let him listen to rock music. But um, uh, John Kerry. <laughs> Uh, I think came out of the Dukakis school. He felt that like it would dignify yeah. and maybe you know create a Streisand effect where you're amplifying your the attacks by addressing them. It's better they'll just be ignored. Never really, I think, accounting for the fact that the Swift Boats veterans uh, for Truth uh, those ads were running repeatedly. It wasn't like a small ad buy. Um, obviously there was some dark money at work there and like they just ran and ran and ran and ran. So, yeah, yeah. and, and they had their effect. Um, and it was really crazy because if there was one issue that Kerry should have been inoculated against, it was Vietnam because he was both a war hero and a pacifist. So he should have had everything covered. Um, yeah. but you know, he, but you know, brilliantly Carl Rove had this whole thing where you go after your opponent on their strongest point. Yeah. And yeah. uh and that is that is absolutely correct. And uh that's so I think that's what happened there. Uh, you know, I mean, there's always going to be pussies in the Democratic Party. That's how it is. Well, it it struck again, it's just uh, anyway. So it's that's what struck me there, but here here now we're talking um President Biden had his little, you know, family get together there in the Virgin Islands and he uh, came back and is giving every indication, Ted, that he will run for re-election. Uh, well, he was supposed to. I, first yeah. of all, he was. He told us before he went on um, on his break for the holidays. Now I'm looking at my calendar. Today's January fourth. He said that he was going to. He and uh, and his wife were going to. We're going to figure this. Jill, we're going to figure this out over the holidays. Well, um, Mr. President, holidays are over. So what did you decide? you know, want to share with, you know, us, you know, the citizens, maybe we're interested. Yeah. It, it's fascinating to me that he still has made, but I saw him. Did you the media's not even asking about this. Well, have all. you seen video of him in the last say two weeks? He looks older, Ted. He was, he got up, he had some signing and he could barely get out of the chair and he needed some help, like walking and directing him to where to go. I mean, he's 80 years old. I mean, I'm sorry. That's years first old. of all, that's almost six years past the life expectancy. He's six and years don't forget, past the expiration would, date for Americans. Imagine <laughs> if he had. Imagine if rhinoplasty didn't exist, what he would look like. 
You know, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, when you've mentioned that he looks terrific, he looks slim, he looks healthy ish for an 80 year old guy. He looks yeah. great, but now he's kind of, he's stooping more. He's just giving the, the physical affectation of, and the effects of age that he didn't have even six months ago. And if running for pre- and running for president is grueling. He's not going to be able to do run from the basement of his house in Delaware again. Uh, this time, there's nope. The pandemic is over. It's time to get back to work. People are going to want to see the president. I mean, an incumbent president doesn't have to run as hard as a uh, as as a as a as a as a hopeful, but right. they still have to run. They still have to make appearances. They still have to travel. They have to go. They have to give interviews a lot. So, well, tell me. I mean, this is a side issue. And um, I mean, you and I are both on the record saying this is ridiculous. He should not run. Uh, Kamala Harris, you mentioned in a column that she should have a, a, a you know a gentle way to say not to not run. I don't know what that is because. Well, I, I suggested they find her. I mean, so first of all, yeah, I want to be very clear. Seventy percent of Americans currently say they do not want uh, Biden to run. That means if you break it down, at least forty percent of Democrats believe that he should not run. That's pretty damning. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, and that number is no doubt higher than that. Uh, as for Vice President Harris, I mean, you know, look, it's tricky. She's a woman of color. She would be the first president who is a woman of color. Um, she'd be the first woman president. She'd be, um, you know, so that would she'd be making history. Uh, they can't just fire her. They can't Thomas Eagleton her. They've got to, you know, they've got it. They've <laughs> nice. got to make it look like her own idea. You know, it's so they need to find her a sinecure, like college president, um, you know, Barnard College, you're the president, you're the new president or, uh, yeah, you know, primetime host on MSNBC or something. They've got to get something for her, you know, president, uh, you know, editor in chief of Vox. They've got to find something for her. Um, well, let me just I mean, let me interrupt. I'm sorry, Ted, but let me just I mean. Uh, my th- thinking is they may not feel the same way about Kamala Harris that you and I do. And it would be an embarrassment for her. She knows she'd lose in the primaries. I mean, because look at the last time she ran. Yeah, she got 0.6% of the vote in the primaries. I want to c- be clear here. She ran for president in the year 2020. She didn't even make it to 2020. She was the first candidate of any note to drop out of the Democratic primaries, um, and which it was in 2019. Right. So she kind of technically didn't even run in 2020. Um, It was that bad. And don't forget, her run was characterized by all sorts of rumors of incompetent management coming from her and infighting between her and her sister. I mean, all sorts of craziness. So, um, you know, let's not forget that all the departures from the vice president's uh, staff, Um, you know, they she's. She's losing people more than anyone else in the great resignation. Nobody wants to work for her. Uh, <laughs> and let's also bear, remember, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that, or not, or consider that if the reports are to be considered, the uh, Biden people despise her. They yeah, just Biden thought, staff, Biden staff hates her staff. Her staff hates her. They, you know, it's just, and I mean, lots obviously of hate. the vice president has been, I mean, the president did give her something to do. Uh, you know, by making her the border czar. And she has either, let's just say, been unable to because of something that we don't know about. Maybe they haven't let her take a trip to the border for photo op. Uh, But whatever, the point is, either because she wasn't allowed to shine or she wasn't able to shine and didn't rise to the occasion, um, she has nothing to show for this. Compare this to Al Gore, 
who uh, was put in charge of the government efficiency project under Bill Clinton, and by all accounts, streamlined the federal government uh, really in a magnificent way over his eight years as vice president. I mean, she has nothing to brag about. No, I think, well, I think there's a couple of things going on. And of course, Dick Cheney was president. Yes. Well, W had stuff to do. Okay. So uh, we've covered that. We're going to come on to one more, probably the most, Ted, I'm guaranteeing this may be the most controversial thing we'll talk about in the history of the DMZ America podcast. That's true. It'll it'll get the most, uh, it'll get the most traffic. Probably. Okay. So we'll be back after this. This is the DMZ America podcast. I'm Scott Stantis coming to you from the right. And I'm Ted Rawl coming to you from the left. We'll be right back. Hey, as promised, we're back. <laughs> Scott Stantis coming to, from the, <laughs> coming to you from the right for the DMZ America podcast. And also representing the good folks at the DMZ America podcast, I'm Ted Rawl coming to you from the left. The only podcast you really need. When you're in the mood for a DMZ America podcast, try DMZ America, the podcast that is DMZ America. Amen, brother. Amen. Well, um, a sort of tragedy because he still clings to life in the NFL Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin was involved in what seemed like a pretty ordinary play uh, in Thursday night's game. Unfortunately, he stood up and then he co- immediately collapsed. And I think that's one reason why people are talking about this. But then wasn't this immediately to- following a tackle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. Yeah, that's why. I- Yes, that's what that means when I said following. Yes. Oh, sorry. I didn't hear that. Part. <laughs> following. I'm glad you're not listening. Um, <laughs> gosh, that makes me feel good. You're like my wife. I don't listen, so you have to. <laughs> Janine does that. I love that about her. She'll go, I'll say something like, yeah, you know, the um, the vice president's resigning today. She'll go, huh? I mean, she'll acknowledge that I said something. And then a half hour later, she said, wow, did you hear vice president <laughs> resign? I go, Really? That's okay. So, so and Ted then, and I and you ever play back your recording and all you hear is wah, 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 wah. <laughs> that's what, well, officially Ted and I are married because apparently he's talking to me like my wife. Yes. After the play, what seemed to be kind of like a, an ordinary play, uh, DeMar Hamlin st- stands up and then he collapsed and they had to administer CPR. It's an injury that apparently is not that uncommon in, in sport contact sports like that, where you thump the chest and it, it traumatizes the heart and makes it stop. Mm. His family, uh, Hamlin's family today said that his heart stopped two more times uh, between there and, uh, and going to the it's hospital. Terrifying. It is terrifying. So here's the question I, I would have. I know how Ted's going to come out. I'm a little more wishy-washy on this. So we're going to talk about that. Should football be banned. I mean, not just the NFL, but college football, Pop Warner football, all of it. I mean, given the information we're having now, we're learning more and more about head trauma. Uh, I can tell you that when I played football back in the 70s in high school, the helmet, Ted, you know those helmets you get at the baseball game, those plastic helmet things? Yeah. You had ice cream in. That's pretty much what my helmet was. It was a plastic <laughs> shell with, I, I think they stuck some grass in it or something. It was terrible. And I can tell you that at least in two games, I got hit in the head by a knee or by uh, uh, by a by a, a foot. And it I don't remember the rest of the game. So, I mean, clearly there is. Well, you I won. Mean, you were awesome. <laughs> I was the hero of the game. <laughs> 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 so, I guess go. this is uh, 
My point is that if you're playing Pop Warner football, then you go graduate to high school football, you graduate to college football, you graduate to the NFL, you've had significant head trauma. And that's undeniable now that it, and it causes significant long-term effects. You're having, you know, the suicide rate of former NFL players is, is astronomical. Yeah. Uh, their yeah. brain function is clearly diminished. Uh, and so now this, uh, and this apparently is not unusual. It's happened and it's had happened at lower levels, college and pop Warner. I mean, should we ban football? Yeah, we should ban it. Um, the same reason we should ban boxing. Now you could say that all sorts of, you know, a lot of sports are dangerous, right? Like skiing and, uh, snowboarding, um, you know, you, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's injuries in baseball, but you know, you have to sort of start where the numbers are the worst, uh, when you're, and I think, look, in the case for me, football is a really easy case, uh, you know, for, uh, in really for, for banning for a bunch of reasons, first and foremost, for practical reasons in 20 years, I don't think they're going to have anyone who can play this sport because what do you mean? Well, uh, the number of parents who are willing to allow their children to participate in high school sports or even younger has dropped, is really dropping precipitously due to all the stories about head injuries. There's a lot of uh, high schools around the country that can no longer field a team. They can't even get enough people to form a full team because they just don't have enough kids who are uh, who are willing to participate. And, um, the, uh, and so I think that's, uh, you know, in the in the in the future, there just won't be enough kids who play football in order yeah. to allow for football to continue to be a professional sport. I mean, I think, and also, frankly, I don't really think the world would care if football disappeared. I mean, it is a boring fucking sport. Uh, I once, when, when my father bought me a stopwatch as a kid, I once timed it. And, and this is true. There's only six seconds of play on average per every minute of broadcast of football. It's basically just people walking around. Nothing's happening. It is, it's like watching paint dry. And I can prove this demonstrably, even though it's just my opinion, that my opinion is widespread. And here it is. Okay. It's the only American sport that has never caught on overseas. No one watches, no one wants football in other countries, right? I mean, why is that? Uh, baseball is uh, all over the world. Why not football? Because baseball is objectively a more interesting sport, not to mention uh, it's well, played in, in better weather. I'm going to disagree with you, but one fellow who does agree with you is George Will has a great quote about football. He says, football, uh, uses two of the worst elements of American culture. It's committee me meetings uh, interspersed with <laughs> violence. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's boring as shit. I, I mean, disagree. I played it. I like watching it. Um, frankly, I mean, if I'm going to become totally clean here, I like boxing. Used to uh, spar a little bit at the Y, you know, nothing, and loved watching boxing. Like, I don't watch it as much, but all of these violent things, I'm, I'm going to come at it from a libertarian standpoint and say this, that if you, if you want to play, you should be able to play now down here in the South, out here in Alabama, football is a religion and people, you know, they play it, they play it with passion and they love it. They live by it. You know that, I mean, you, you know, I'm, the, I'm I mean, well aware. Yeah. Look at the sec, the Southeastern conference football. I mean, with Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi, Texas, now coming in all these teams that in States where football is a religion. I mean, and I'm not kidding. Uh, go to a Friday night high school game. If you don't believe me. Well, here. you know, I'm a Marxist. I think religions should be banned also. <laughs> <laughs> so. But I got to tell you, I loved, I love 
I loved playing it. I like watching it. I loved playing it. Being on a team I don't know like what that. What there is to enjoy about watching it? I mean, obviously people do, but the ratings are not anything close to the way they were twenty or thirty years ago. I mean, clearly this is a sport that is uh, where there's a sort of a silent crisis here, and and I guess the thing is, if you play, you said yourself in the opening here, you know, if you sort of play normally. And you start out as a kid and, you know, by the time you're in the NFL, you suffered a lot of head trauma. Is that really the kind of thing we want to encourage? It's like boxing. Look, I personally find boxing very entertaining um, and interesting. I get it. I get why people watch boxing. But I also really understand why people watch gladiatorial combat and um, and why they enjoyed it. And I, and it doesn't mean it should be legal. Look. I saw this, there's a sport in Central Asia, which is called Bujkashi, which I think you and I have talked about, and it, I've written about in my books. And basically, it's the most violent sport in the world played today. Uh, it is a, it's dead goat polo. They take, they decapitate a goat, they soak it in salt water overnight, they throw its headless carcass out into the middle of a field, and then the object is uh, men on horseback. Uh, are supposed to grab the horse, the the dead goat, and drag it across a goal line. There are no rules at all in terms of what you can do to grab it or to keep other dudes from grabbing it away from you. And so the most common thing to do is to try to tramp, knock your opponent off his horse and trample him to death, or to take your horse, your whip that you use for your horse, and and try to get try to gouge out your opponent's eyes which is very impressive to watch with. You really haven't lived till you've seen an eye explode right in front of your face. Oh God. Well, not right in front of your face, but you know, off in the distance. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, in Afghanistan, which uh, is one of the countries where Bushkashi is played, there's literally no rules to the point where people bring guns and use guns and knives to go after each other on the Bushkashi field. Uh, you know, that is considered unsporting in countries like Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan, but not technically against the rules, because there, <laughs> did I mention, there are no rules. I oh mean, I, oh, my God, I'm I was so fascinated by this, that when I came back from Central Asia the first time, I actually took up I actually arranged pitch meetings in Hollywood with like ESPN to try to tell convince them that like they should broadcast Bushkashi in the US because it's fucking awesome and it's very exciting and there's a lot at stake but should it be illegal yeah it should be illegal because people's eyes get gouged out and they get shot and stabbed so you know i mean it's like just because something is like i would would i totally watch gladiatorial combat every fucking time it was on should it be legal no yeah, I'm not going to agree with you on this. I think, first of all, I like, like I said before, I like football. I, I enjoy watching it. I, it's, I, I do, and I feel there's a level of guilt, uh, frankly, about watching it now and knowing what that's I know. That's known as your conscience. That's the part of you that's trying to tell you you should no longer be a conservative. No, 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 no. I can crush. I can tamp it down with like money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, but, just because oh, people want to do something, so what? People want to smoke. People want to. People want to. People want to shoot guns. People want to drink too much. People want to do all sorts of shit that they shouldn't do. Well, they and we do all that here in the great in this great country of ours. <laughs> we. I mean, I mean, to me, that's not a reason to say that uh that's not that's not a reason to in favor of i mean i guess it's a it's a reason but it shouldn't be a determinative reason to allow something to be legal 
Well, things have gotten better in football. People, you know, I, I was on radio, I was on a progressive radio station yesterday and the host talked about uh, people saying that no, 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 uh, no one has ever talked about banning football before. And I said, well, actually, <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt uh, strongly urged football to be banned because they had had like something like seven deaths that year. Really? And, yeah. For yeah and, guys and obviously football. he was no puss. I mean, he was no. he was a manly guy and he almost died in the Amazon. I mean, he was he was a big. That's adventurer. a great story. Oh, my God. It's I love that story, story so much. There's this book called The River of Doubt. I don't know if I sent it to you. It, no. But it's great. If I come across it in my collection. And that's, do they talk about how he said, just leave me? Because he was close to death. He really was. He had, yeah. he was ravaged with disease. Well, it did ultimately kill him. That's how he ultimately. Did it? Was from the, yeah, it was, he got malaria in, in the, in the Amazon. And uh, I guess that was like 19, I want to say 1913, maybe um, about. Um, plus or minus, yeah, it must have been like 1913 or 1914. Anyway, six years later, he was gone, and the, the malaria did him in. It just took malaria. Is, yeah, you know that malaria is a bear, and they damn near killed him there. And they said he said just leave me, and they considered it. And then they thought it would look pretty bad if the carcass of a former president was left in the Amazon, which I think yeah, that's is, what happened. They were kind of like if he'd been anyone else, they would have left him. Oh yeah, if it was you or me, fuck yeah, yeah. they would just or any, or any other member of their party, right? It's just sort of like. I mean, it would have been the right thing to do to leave him, really. When you're in, on one of those kind of like, you know, death marches, you really, you shouldn't be lugging a heavy dude back with you when you're barely alive yourselves. So I'll consider banning football, but you are four square in favor of banning football in boxing, correct? Yeah. And I mean, seriously, I don't say this in some gleeful, like, you know, effeminate, like, oh, like, let's get rid of it because it's butch. I, I mean, I just think it's like object, you know, in a cold blooded way, this is a, it's like, you have to just look at the societal benefits versus the societal cons. I mean, the benefits are entertainment and I, I guess athleticism, but the athleticism can be, uh, you know, redirected in to other sports that are, you know, le who that are yeah. safer. Wow. And in terms of the, the problem is it's sort of like one of the best quotes I ever heard about smoking. Sm tobacco products are a tobacco that if, if used as directed will kill you. Football is a sport that if you, that if you follow the rules scrupulously and play it over time, eventually your brain will be fucked up. That's not really a kind of sport that we should have. Well, and before we wrap this up, I want to point out to to our listeners that Ted Rawl wants to ban the NFL. Now, Ted, you're also taking on a billion dollar industry. So if you want to piss those people off. Uh, well, you know, bring it on because my flamethrower drone is in the mail. <laughs> well, maybe just the attachment. Now, well, plus Clovis. Plus, oh, my God, don't even fucking start. Like if, if they try to take on Clovis, although I think Clovis might like football because, you know, he's a big fan of violence. And just killing I've things seen, just, I've just, seen just to watch them die. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. Okay. 20, 20 confirmed with. kills. Where can we see your stuff, Ted? Uh, so you could buy my book, The Stringer, uh, now available. Excellent, Excellent book. Uh, online and in bookstores. Um, you could go to whowhatwhy.org, uh, especially on Saturdays, but they have other stuff the rest of the week. Go to sputniknews.com on Tuesdays and Thursdays, typically. Also, there's stuff there that you would find interesting uh, beyond my stuff. And uh, gocomics.com slash 
Ted Rawl. And uh, Scott and I are both on something called Center Clip, which is an uh, an app that has audio op-eds from the left and from the right, uh, from Scott and I, sometimes responding to one another uh, and, and to uh, other people. So well worth checking out. There's some good stuff in there. Yeah, I think absolutely that um yeah and there's if you had to describe it i'd say effectively very short podcasts 30 seconds to to 5 minutes long mm-hmm. uh, and some really sharp people and like i said ted ted's on it i'm on it we've got some other people a friend of mine may be joining us patty vasquez who's a uh, progressive radio host out of chicago but there's a whole bunch of other pretty impressive people so i, I really urge you to download that i can also you can see my work at gocomics.com slash scott stantis or gocomics.com slash prickly city my comic strip you can go to chicagotribune.com slash opinion see a gallery of work i do for them you can go to the dallas morning news site which is dallasnews.com and see a gallery of the work i do for them uh boy that just about covers it we're busy busy guys i know it's like uh thank god for cocaine i hope they yeah. never ban that oh Please. Yeah. God. Thank God that's legal. God bless cocaine. <laughs> it, on that note. Okay, the other white meat in powder form. <laughs> on that note, we will talk to you later. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy.